And now we have Michael Gamble McCormick McCormick from Senator Casey's office, and he is here to talk to us. He's um, a disability expert on, has been when he was with Senator Harkin's office, and he is on Senator Casey's office, and he's also um, on his, uh, working on the aging committee that the senator has, so I'm sure we'll have uh, several things to talk about, and I don't know which way you want to do it, Michael. Do you want to do the senator's message first, and then you, or the other way around? Oh, certainly the senator's message first, please. Okay. Can we do that, Mr. H.? We got it. Okay. Hello, I'm U.S. Senator Bob Casey. Thank you for inviting me to the opening of the annual conference of the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. For people with disabilities, one of the most significant challenges is finding and keeping a good-paying job with benefits. The University of New Hampshire's annual disabilities compendium reports that in Pennsylvania, as of 2018, there were approximately 155,000 people who were blind or had another type of vision impairment. Of that group, just over 68,000 people, or 44%, were employed. That number is not high enough. The COVID-19 crisis has increased the number of people who have lost their jobs, and that includes many people with disabilities. We must move forward on policies that encourage the hiring of people with disabilities and which will support businesses that hire people who are blind or who have other visual impairments. As you know, accommodations in the workplace are one of the most important ways to ensure a person who is blind has the the support they need to be successful in that workplace. My bill, Senate Bill 255, the Disability Employment Incentive Act, would provide businesses with tax credits to hire to ensure that the workplace is accessible. And for the first time, these tax credits would apply to businesses that make their online workplaces accessible. Senate Bill 255 would provide businesses with a $5,000 tax credit if they hire a person with a disability. In this time when the pandemic has forced many employees to work from home, ensuring that a business has an accessible website and can provide workers with the adaptive equipment they will need will increase the likelihood that their employees with disabilities will be successful. And providing those businesses with an economic incentive to hire people with disabilities will help more people who are blind and have other disabilities to be employed. Being able to cast your vote to have a voice in democracy is also a critical issue for people with disabilities. I know all of you in the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind are concerned with having access to voting in a way that is private, that is accessible, and secure. I introduced Senate Bill 3206 with Senator Amy Klobuchar, a bill that will ensure voting is accessible for everyone. This bill, Senate Bill 3206, the Accessible Voting Act, goes by the acronym AVA, AVA, would make sure all information about voting that is online is accessible to everyone. No one should be denied the right to vote, 
and to vote in a private, secure manner. Thank you for your efforts to ensure our democracy hears from everyone. As most of you know, this is the 30th anniversary of the passage of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. We certainly have achieved much over those three decades, but we have much more to do. For example, ensuring good employment and accessible voting are two things we must do. Thank you for your efforts to achieve these two goals and many others. I'm honored to work with you to make our Commonwealth and our country more accessible and equitable. Best wishes to all of you for a successful virtual conference, and God bless your work. Well, thank you. I want to thank Senator Casey for his uh, his uh, words to us, his recording. And now I guess, Michael, it's your turn. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go over a couple of issues that the Senator has been working on, and then I'm happy to... Um, hear your comments and answer some questions um, as well. And um, since the Senator spent a fair amount of time in his comments talking about employment, I'll start there. Um, The Senator, this congressional session, which will end in December, um, has two major pieces um, of employment um, legislation that is aimed at increasing both wages and um, employment overall. He mentioned the Disability Employment Incentive Act. That bill would actually increase employer um, tax credits in three different areas. Um, one is is that um, if an employer were to hire somebody with a disability, they would receive um, tax credits of approximately $5,000 for the first year and $2,500 for the second year um, that the person is employed. Um, That's more than double what the current um, tax credit is um, if an employer hires somebody with a disability. The other two tax credits would focus on, as the Senator was saying, ensuring that the workplace is accessible And that doesn't just mean the physical workplace. That also means the online workplace as well. Um, An employer can receive up to $30,000 in tax credits um, for making their workplace more accessible, um, meaning software or hardware, um, as well as um, adaptations within their physical workspace as well. And then there's an, and that's double what is currently the tax credit um, too. And then for small businesses, those that have cash receipts for less than um, $3 million a year, they would be able to receive an additional tax credit of $10,000 in the year that they would do any adaptations or accommodations for for workers. So, we're really trying to make sure that there are absolute incentives for hiring people with disabilities. The second bill that he um, has introduced um, this year is a phase out of the subminimum wage um, program. It would take six years to phase out the program, um, and it would provide states with money to help those employers who use the subminimum wage program to transition to Um, uh, a business model that would uh, include 
competitive integrated employment for its employees. Um, the senator feels very strongly that when we have over a quarter of adults with disabilities who live in poverty, that we really need to address raising their wages and making sure that they're moving into work that is sustainable and will meet what the ADA said in terms of its fourth goal. And that fourth goal is economic self-sufficiency. Um, both of those bills have been introduced since um, January of 2019, and it's likely that he'll introduce them again when a new Congress starts in um, January of this coming year. In addition to that, he will, he's working on a new bill that would be almost um, what I would call a work progress administration, a WPA type of model, um, to make sure that there are new jobs available for people with disabilities and that they would be hired into those jobs. Um, those would meet the requirements of the Workforce Innovation and Opportunities Act, WIOA, um, to be competitive integrated in, um, jobs, but um, would also be supported by the federal government in terms of wages and eventually um, decrease that support so that individuals would um, hopefully keep those jobs in those businesses or organizations. So that's um, a lot of the work that he's been doing around um, employment. Um, and I'm happy to um, take questions and, and hear your comments about that. Um, I'll go into two other areas real quickly, though, before I stop. One was is that Chris asked me to um, talk about um, his stance on autonomous vehicles. Um, as you all probably know, Pennsylvania, through some of its universities, has been doing a lot of work in the research and the piloting um, of autonomous vehicles. And there are a number of companies in Pennsylvania that actually are um, testing out prototypes of autonomous vehicles. Um, Senator Casey's stance on this is, is that from the get-go, from the very beginning, um, whether it's a university or a private company, they have to be constructing and conceptualizing those vehicles to be accessible. And that means accessible for people with physical disabilities, accessible for people with sensory disabilities, accessible for people with intellectual and cognitive disabilities. Um, that means that any interface that the vehicle uses, any website that um, is used to um, possibly maintain or to call these cars, all of them must be accessible. Um, and that the physical structures of those cars must be accessible as well. I can tell you that we, we meet um, at least twice a year, sometimes as often as quarterly with these organizations and businesses um, to remind them that this is a, a key piece of how they need to develop their, um, their vehicles. Um, and just as importantly, the software um, that operates these vehicles. Um, if we're going to see autonomous vehicles on the road um, in the future, they truly have to be accessible to everybody. Um, and that means um, all types of um, people with disabilities as well. And then finally, um, let me just talk a little bit um, about the Cogswell-Macy Act um, that Chris asked me um, to address. 
Um, there are pieces of the Cogswell-Macy Act that the senator has tried to um, push um, even without passage of the bill. Um, two years ago, and actually following up twice since that point in time, he has asked Secretary um, DeVos at the Department of Education to release more funds um, to do training um, for um, deafblind um, interveners. Um, the department has not been very um, open to that, and they have not dedicated funds for it. Um, he recognizes clearly that those funds really are necessary because of the vast shortage of interveners that are available to people who are deafblind. Similarly, he's asked the department um, and the secretary um, to dedicate more funds for training teachers who teach those who are deaf and hard of hearing and those um, who are blind as well. And unfortunately, again, we have not seen um, any responsiveness on the, the part of, um, on the part of the department. Um, each year when the, the grant funds are determined out of the Department of Education, um, we, we approach them, we ask them to dedicate specific funds for those purposes. They have not done that. Um, we will see again after the first of the year what happens and if we're, um, we get a more receptivity. Um, Secretary DeVos has been one of the, one of three um, sec um, secretaries in this administration who have been there since the beginning. Um, we'll see if um, uh, President Trump um, is reelected, um, if she remains. Um, or if there is um, a new administration, if we might have a secretary who is more receptive to those, um, to those requests as well. Um, I will stop there, and I am happy to talk about um, anything that you might have questions about, and also um, to hear any comments that you might have as well. Um, Michael, this is Julianne Lieberman. Uh, nice to hear your voice. Um, and virtually, you too, Julianne. Uh, and uh, again, it was delightful to hear uh, Senator Casey's voice and his message. Um, and the subject is, uh, my question is, I know he ser serves on the aging committee. And one of the problems that was pointed out uh, with our director of uh, Bureau of Blindness and Vision Services was the lack of funding for the uh, 55 and plus older population to remain living independently um, the there's limited funds and so therefore limited funds mean limited services for those that have acquired vision loss after the age of 55 in particular and for those that don't aren't going to be going into vocational rehabilitation as much as I value employment uh, you know I'm getting to the point where maybe I'm not going to be looking too much longer at it as well given my advancing age so the question remains is, is there any possibility of any kind of introduction of a bill to support through, like, say, aging, uh, like we did with the CARES Act, something to support the older blind population for independent living skills so they can remain and out of residential facilities and out of assisted living facilities so they can keep their independence? Um, there isn't at this point, um, and just to be really straightforward, the the senator is the ranking member on the Special Committee on Aging, which is a non-legislative committee. It doesn't have power to actually legislate. Um, that would reside in the HELP Committee. 
um, the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, which would actually cover this issue. Um, Julian, mm -hmm. um, he serves on that committee. We have not seen any movement toward um, a bill that would do that. Um, one of my questions to you all would be, where is the current source of funding coming from to do any of that work, even if it's limited? It's under the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation with uh, Bureau of Blindness and Vision Services, which I believe is probably getting funds uh, from the federal government and then filtered to under OVR programming. Uh, but as has been pointed out, these people are in vocational rehabilitation, not looking for work. They're looking for independent living. So there's kind of a disconnect there of, of where the funding is going to be right. supported from. So you're right. Health and education yeah. would be a way to go about that. Uh, and a you know, community for continuing living, uh, community living source may be a, another option. Yeah, and in um, in the Senate, obviously, the help committee would be the place in the House. Um, and for your representatives, anybody who serves on the um, education and workforce um, committee, they would actually cover the Rehabilitation Services Administration's funding. Um, so, and I apologize, I, I don't know off the top of my head which of the 18 um, representatives from Pennsylvania serve on that committee, but I do know there are a couple. We'll actually, find them. <laughs> actually, I do, I do know one, um, and I think it's um, um, uh, Marigay Scanlon from, yes. uh, um, from the southeastern part of the state. I believe you're right. Wait, Thank this, you very much, Michael. This is um, Chris Hunsinger again, and one of the things, you know, that is the conundrum because the people who are trained to help people with vision loss work in the uh, Bureau of Blindness and, vision, and visions, Visual Services, um, if you, and the money probably does belong in something like community living or somewhere like that, and then those people that have the training would somehow be contract. I mean, there, there's got to be some way to do this, but by the mission of offices of vocational rehabilitation on their own, um, now that this agency belongs to that, the, the uh, belongs to that part of the government, um, it, that part of the government's mission is employment. So, you know, that's the issue I think. And I don't know when the States have separate, um, like commissions for the blind and things uh -huh. like that. I don't know how those differ. I still think there's an odd disconnect, and, and we've always, I think the government has often thought of people with vision losses having all this service through vocational rehabilitation. But, you know, there are going to be people who are going to live 30, 35 years longer than they'll ever have a job because we're going to be living till we're 90 or whatever. And the other part of that tune is uh, the um, the population who loses vision in older age is a completely different kind of category of people. So I think we may really have to rethink. And, and I know the American Council of the Blind's um, vocation, rehab task force has been playing with a white paper, and, and it's actually on the, agents, the organization's website now, um, asking that congress think about how to restructure this kind of stuff for older blind people um and and instead of lumping them into vr um 
have their funding come from somewhere else. But then, of course, the question is, where do you get the trained personnel to help them? Because there's a shortage of them anyway. You're not going to have states hiring, you know, extra ones. Well, one of the places that could possibly be where this could live is the administration on community living, as you said, Chris, Uh um, and possibly um, through the Older Americans Act, which unfortunately was just reauthorized last year. That doesn't mean it can't be amended, but um, it's, it's often easier to add a program or add funding when it's being reauthorized. Um, and possibly those funds could be sent to area agencies on aging rather than um, to OVR, um, uh, vocational rehab offices, um, and that those area agencies or maybe regional area agencies could hire um, trained personnel to help with that, that process. But that would be something that would be very valuable for not just Pennsylvania's council, but the, the national council to bring forward and make a recommendation to, um, I would say specifically the chair and the um, and and the ranking member of the authorizing committee. So in this case, that would be Patty Murray from Washington State, who is ranking member. Um, Senator Alexander is leaving um, this year, and the likely either chair or ranking member on the Republican side would be Rand Paul from Kentucky. Um, and then in the House, again, you have, um, you have um, Representative Bobby Scott, who would be the chair there, and um, Representative Virginia Fox, um, who would be the ranking member there. So bringing forward a proposal to them, um, I think would be valuable to start this conversation. Well, one other comment that I had to make was um, when um, the head of RSA came to speak to the American Council of the Blind, um, he sort of touted the idea that the SILs would take over all these tasks for older people. And um, we know that Centers for Independent Living have sort of always dealt with other disabilities on a more regular basis than with people with vision loss. So... Uh, there may be some states where that's working, but I don't think it's working that well in most states. Well, is is it actually happening in some sills around other states? Um, some people swear it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's actually a little bit of, of sill activity even in Pennsylvania. But, you know, the, the issue then becomes... Can 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 they afford to hire employees to tr- to do the work? Um, you know, uh, and, and community living has the problem that you know if there are waiting lists, all we're going to do is make the waiting list longer. Yeah, I mean, one of the problems with the Older Americans Act is is that it's not sufficiently funded for sure. Right, um, we would need more money in in that act um, to do that. I mean, one of the things that could be looked at is to look at the um, the funding from the Rehabilitation Services Administration and take a portion of that and move it to ACL. <laughs> I, am, I am sure that um, Mark Schultz would not like that to happen, um, even though he's a wonderful person to work with, frankly. Um, but um, Or we could look at... Um, depending on what happens after the first of the year, if there would be the opportunity to um, put some new money into this effort. Mm -hmm. 
This is Kathy Long. Uh, one of um, Casey's aides came to the Center for, Indep- of Independent, for Independent Living in Camp Hill uh, maybe two years ago and talked about, we talked about how important uh, like affordable care is for everybody and stuff. And um, it was a lady. I don't remember her name, but I was there. And uh, I'm about the only blind person that goes to the center and does things, but I helped them with a lot of things that they didn't know. And, you know, that's about as good as it gets, I guess. And that's that's the center where Theo used to be the executive yeah, director, that's right? right. And yes. Now it's uh-huh. uh, Gina, I think. Um, Janetta. Janetta Green. Janetta Green. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've lost the a lot thing. of staff. That's the other thing that you all could think about. Do you, uh, to grow the, this service, um, who do you partner with? Um, you know, do you partner with the Centers for Independent Living? Do you part, partner with the area agencies on aging? Um, who, and it might be different from region to region, frankly. Um, I'm thinking it depends on where you live. Yeah, yeah. And that, that would mean, Kathy, that... Um, as you advocate for funding for this, you advocate that there's flexibility about who can be mm-hmm. the partner to provide that service. Yeah, I know the Cumberland County link to aging person, and she's very good. She attends mm-hmm. a lot of things. So I'm not, I'm not really sure how it would work out, but for sure older people need you know, more attention. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, we have Donald Dunn with his hand raised, and you should be able to unmute, Donald. Hi. um, As a person who is blind, um, I'm also currently looking for employment. Uh, One of the problems I face all the time is that um, places don't seem to know about, you know, the technology that's available. And uh, I know you had mentioned about tax incentives that you want to give, but then after the two years is up, what's the chances of a employer keeping you if, you know, well, our tax break runs out, so now we can get rid of this person. And, you know, is there any thought put into that possibility happening? And, you know, especially with blindness in general, there's always questions that come up about, um, well, what if they fall? And this is when agencies are helping people like myself with job placement uh they get asked that question all the time um so these are definitely things i think that need to be addressed um as to how we can make things better for people who are blind with trying to seek employment and i don't know what your thoughts are about that but i'd love to hear tell, tell me what your thoughts are about the um the tax incentive going away after two years, um, I, I, you know, as an employer and somebody who has employed lots of people with disabilities myself um, in other positions, I, the value of those employees certainly, for me, kept them around. So tell me what you're thinking is about um, when the incentive goes away. Well, and I'm certainly glad to hear that you're one who has a different view, and sometimes that is the case too. Um, some places certainly would be willing, and if if you're a hard worker, and certainly one who you know 
as blind, I certainly always know we have to prove ourselves Mm -hmm. and we have Mm -hmm. to be better than everybody else. And if we do that, it certainly can increase our chances of retaining employment. And I'm hoping that would be the case. And I'm hoping that, you know, even though their tax incentive would go away, that it would certainly not discourage them from Mm -hmm. keeping an employee. And, And not that I'm saying it should be extended further. I'm just, you know, putting a thought out there is that can that that can happen in some yeah. cases sure yeah um one of the reasons that the senator um rewrote that tax incentive um was to extend it for a second year um the way it is currently written um, the incentive is twenty four hundred dollars as a tax um, um break and um, it goes away after the first year so um and the feedback we had from employers wasn't so much about the, um, the, the worth and, and the work of people with disabilities. It was the fact that um, the incentive was just not enough to even bother with the paperwork, they kept saying. So um, $5,000 keeps somebody um, interested in that incentive and the 2500 rewards them for retention. Okay. Well, you know, you just think about how much the paperwork costs them to do. Um, if, if you know, if you're paying employees, um, I don't know, say twelve dollars an hour, um, that's really low wage. I mean, if you're if you've got somebody in personnel that's that's making, you know, twenty or twenty five dollars an hour, you've got, you know, you've got enough time that somebody's working on that that maybe maybe 2400 really isn't enough you know when you start dealing with what it takes to shepherd someone into the system um and i'm sure once people actually work for a while and 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 work well i mean and and you know if you gave people enough money they'd keep someone on who did nothing to to use the money um mm-hmm. so but yet it's it's certainly you know important that they the amount that they have to put out in in employee time etc um you know be worth it right but do we have any anecdotal information about people actually getting thrown out of their jobs because um the tax credit ran out i mean i, I think it would be it'd be i mean that that's and unfortunately that successful placement stuff doesn't go that far it doesn't last to a year does it um when ovr um when ovr uh closes out a case because someone's been successfully placed it doesn't it doesn't end it ends sooner than a year after placement so you don't really have a you mean the the ovr support services yeah I, no, not the services. I mean, the, like the the twenty the the twenty sixes. You know, you show them as closed out once mm-hmm. they once they um, once they've been on the job for X amount of, of you know, like however many months, six or whatever. You know, I don't I don't remember now. I think uh, it's three. It's three now. Yeah. Yeah, but but uh, they have that thing now where you have job jeopardy thing. They'll open it again immediately. Yeah, but there's nobody. But now that order of selection is closed. No, that's no. If if you have a job jeopardy, you don't even go on the list. You get opened. That wasn't what we were told last year. Well, uh, well, we could check it out again. 
but it's what it's what I was led to believe at the CAC meeting mm-hmm. in Harrisburg. But I'll check it out. Because they said, nope, we don't get them on the prior, we don't get them on the uh, wait list. We just take care of it. And maybe I was, you know, wrong, but I don't know. But either way, I mean, it, even if somebody did, did get a job, you know, remember way back in the, I don't know, 70s or 80s, they had CETA, and they paid people to hire people that were getting public assistance and stuff like that. And when when the CETA doesn't, didn't give money anymore, they had to find another place for them or let them go. But those people had experience, some experience where they didn't have experience before. Mm-hmm. And that, that helps you find another job faster if it, if it would happen. But Don, I don't think it would. Cause I know you, I know you're a good worker yeah. and they'd say, we need Don, we're keeping him. If I can just jump in here for a second, the, um, if someone were let go at the end of a two year period, um, because the tax incentive ran out, that's a violation of the ADA, and they could actually file a, file a complaint. Um, they, you cannot be let go for no purpose. Um, um, well, they'd find one if they really would, wanted to get rid of you. Certainly, you know, and certainly that's the case, but I'm saying that um, to be let go because of um, um, a tax incentive um, stopping um, is a clear violation. Yeah. Right. Well, I, if there's nothing else, I am uh, delighted to have spent the time with you. I really appreciate the invitation, and I know that the senator did, too. Um, we talked about his comments and what he wanted to emphasize. And, um, you know, his, his feeling really right now is he's very worried about um, as hopefully a vaccine is created and more people go back to work. He's very worried about people who have disabilities being left behind in a recovery. So he'll spend a lot of time on that issue, frankly, um, um, in the coming months and, and the coming year. So we, so we so have a, a hand. We have a hand raised, oh, okay. <laughs> which is always happens. <laughs> uh, phone number ending in seven five eight. You should be able to unmute. Hi, this is Barbara from Northeast Philadelphia. Um, I was wondering how it's going with the what they call the quote uh, suburban white women's vote for Biden this year. I somehow don't I think I can't that's... actually talk about that. <laughs> Pardon me? Oh, we're, uh, we're my, my role. Yeah, oh, I'm no, sorry. I, I wasn't is, in is policy and I'm actually not oh, allowed. OK, it's OK. Yeah, OK. I'm okay. sorry, I wasn't in on the beginning. Sorry yeah, about that. But Michael, I do have another we're question. Not allowed to um, talk about <laughs> politics. <laughs> I do have another question for you, and that is: How far did um, Senate Bill 255 get, or how far did um, uh, 32? Uh, it's on my other screen. Um, it, how far did these bills get this year? Because they're going to all have to be reintroduced in January, right? Yes, they they will. Um, we had some nibbles of, from Republican co-sponsors, but we couldn't get anybody on board. I think the the dis, um, the incentive bill, um, hopefully after the first of the year, will attract some people. Um, uh, 
Rob Portman from Ohio um, expressed interest. Um, and there are some Republicans in the House who um, have signed on with the companion. So those are good signs. Um, the, the other good thing about the, the tax incentive bill is that it's, in the scheme of things, pretty inexpensive. Um, for 10 years, it, it costs $50 million. Um, and in the, the scope of what we do anymore in Congress, that's a very, very small bill. Um, it doesn't even really score and have to be paid for. So um, I'm hopeful that as we reintroduce and um, uh, maybe we have a different um, atmosphere in, in um, Washington that we'll be able to get more co-sponsors on board and move that bill forward. We will have to do a tax, what's called a tax um, 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 year ender bill um, that will probably not happen at the end of the year. It'll probably happen in January. Um, and we're hopeful that we could actually have it ride on, um, on that bill. Would that be a budget reconciliation kind of thing or is one of those kind of things? No, it wouldn't be the reconciliation bill. Okay. That'll, that'll be, um, to be honest with you, that's probably going to have to address COVID relief if we're not able to get something done between now and the end of the year. The reconciliation bill would have to address um, a COVID relief package. Okay. So the tax, okay, we'll look for that one in January. And yeah. we certainly thank you for your time and Sorry we didn't have really tough questions for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just really, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much to you all. Thank you. You all take care. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.